The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? Thank you, as always, for joining us here on the Paul Leslie Hour. If you would like to support the show, you certainly can do that. Just go to patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour. I'm going to be playing this interview with a singer that I've been thinking about quite a bit lately, T. Graham Brown. He has to be one of the most unique voices in country music. He had an album that came out just a few years ago called Forever Changed. A lot of people said that was his best work yet. He did receive a Grammy nomination. It was a nomination for Best Roots Gospel Album. Even if we are judged by the company we keep, T. Graham Brown is the cream of the crop. He has friends in the world of rock, soul, country, Christian music genres. And they all contributed their vocals to this project. People like Vince Gill, Jason Crabb, Leon Russell, the Oak Ridge Boys, Steve Cropper, Jimmy Fortune, and others. In addition to original songs that T. Graham Brown co-wrote, the album Forever Changed features interpretations of songs like People Get Ready, and the album ends with a version of Wine Into Water, which deals with the topic of addiction. In this interview you're about to listen to, T. Graham Brown talks about his roots, the inspiration behind Forever Change, the challenges he overcame, and his friendship with a friend of this show, the songwriter Bruce Birch. As always, let me know what you think. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome our special guest, singer, concert, and recording artist, T. Graham Brown. It's a great pleasure. Well, thank you, man. It's good to talk to you. Well, I wanted to kind of go back a little bit. If we could go back into your house when you were growing up, what would we hear around the house? Probably a bunch of hooping and hollering and my mama saying, Tony! (laughs) (laughs) And what about the music? What kind of music would we hear? I had a transistor radio. We didn't have a stereo growing up. There was really no music in my family. I listened to this little AM station, a 5,000-watt AM station, WMJM. It was 1490 since 1940. That was their saying. They didn't have a particular format. They played everything. You might hear um, Johnny Cash and then hear the Rolling Stones and then hear Aretha Franklin. And it was just all different formats mixed together. So I listened to a little bit of everything. And the town you're from, it's Araby? Yeah, I grew up down in South Georgia, Araby, Georgia. My family's originally from right outside of Athens, Georgia, which is up in northeast Georgia. But my father moved us down there to build a grain elevator in, I guess, 1960. I was born in 54, so I did my main growing up down in South Georgia. Tell me, when did you realize that you had this incredible voice of yours? (laughs) I don't know, man. I just, I was always singing my mama told me I was always singing. I don't really know, man. I got a job singing when I was in college at University of Georgia, and that would have been 1973. I guess I was 18 years old, but I never really thought of it. I wanted to play baseball. That was my thing I always wanted all my life, and I 
got to the University of Georgia and I didn't get get any playing time and I told my coach one day that I thought I could go make some money singing and I didn't like not playing baseball and I asked him what I should do and he put his hand on my shoulder and looked at me and said, Tony, if I was you, I'd go sing. <laughs> so that was my introduction to singing, I guess. Tell me about the first time you went into a recording studio to lay down something. Wow. That was in 1975 in Atlanta. They had a place called the Sound Pit. It was a guy named Tony DiMaria. I can remember him on that station. But this bass player, Pops Popwell, was the the session manager that day, the session leader. And I didn't know anything about anything. I later found out that Pops Popwell was a legendary bass player, but I didn't know it at the time. It was a lot of fun, but I didn't know. I didn't know anything about anything back then. It was scary, I'm sure, but I remember it being fun. I kind of want to fast forward. You have this album. It's entitled Forever Changed. There's a song with that title on there, Forever Changed. Tell us about that song. I don't know if you know who Dan Penn is. He's a guy that wrote a lot of soul classics in the uh, 1960s. And he was down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. That's where he was brought up. And then he worked in Memphis a lot. And He's probably 75 years old now, I would guess, something like that. And he makes these little demo tapes in his basement here in Nashville, and he puts them out on CD and just calls them the demo series. And I always try to get them because I love his writing. And that was a song that was on one of those CDs and I really liked it. And I always thought maybe someday I'd do a gospel album. So I would find these songs and, and put them in a stack. And finally I got the opportunity to do this. And that was one of the ones that was in there. And we just decided to cut it. And that's how that came about. It's interesting, there's, on the album, People Get Ready, the Curtis Mayfield song, and you've got a lot of really great musicians that join you there, Leon Russell. Tell us about recording that with Steve Cropper, the Oak Ridge Boys. I've been knowing Leon, well, first of all, we had that track just laying around. We already had that thing cut, and so we went back in and put David Hungate bass player replace the bass part on it and david's an awesome player and i was trying to think had three verses in it and i wanted to get a couple of extra people to sing and i called jason crab up who's one of the greatest singers ever he's a gospel singer he's won i don't know like 17 dove awards something crazy like that and, and leon i've been knowing him for I guess 30 years and he's gotten me to sing on a couple of his albums. And so I wanted his voice on there and called him up. All these guys that I called immediately said, yes, it was really neat. I didn't know if they would say yes or not, but, but everybody on this album that I called was really sweet about it. And then I called the Oak Ridge boys to sing back up and I've known them a long time and I've done, gosh, I bet, 70, 75 shows with Oak Ridge Boys over the years. And then Cropper is an old friend of mine, too, and I took it over to his studio, and he put some guitar on it at his place. But it was really neat, man, the way it 
came out. This whole album has been crazy. You know, we cut this whole album without knowing where we were going to sell it. We had a tiny budget. I mean, a tiny budget. And we were able to get Jim Horn's horn section. And we had real strings on it, real horns on it, no synthesizer stuff. And we had no idea, man. And we had decided that the proceeds would go to this church building ministry that my wife Sheila and I are part of. It's called International Cooperating Ministries. And we called all these people up. I don't know if you're familiar with gospel music, but everybody that's on this record that's in the gospel world are big stars in gospel music. The Booth Brothers, they're the biggest selling gospel act out there. And Jason Crabb was huge. And Jeff and Sherry Easter, there's some people from Georgia, and they're really big time in gospel. And Three Bridges and uh, Sonia Isaacs, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Isaacs, but her family's just killer. They got a family band, and, and they're one of the all-time best. And then Jimmy Fortune is on there, and he was with the Statler Brothers for 20-something years. And, of course, the Oak Ridge Boys and Vince Gill's on there. So we had no idea, man, and we cut this record, and then all of a sudden Sony Records came out of the blue and picked it up, and then Provident Records, which is the biggest gospel label, picked it up. And then probably the best thing that's happened is Cracker Barrel Restaurants picked it up, and they have a huge music department, and they sell an awful lot of records in there. And um, so this thing, and then we got a, the craziest things, we got a Grammy nomination on it, and all this just came out of the blue. So this has been a really fulfilling, fun project. I think it's probably the best record I've ever made. You're not the only person who I've heard say that about this album. Well, I don't know, man. It just was time, I guess. It was just the right time in my life. I'm 60 years old, and it's really totally out of the blue. It's really great. It's, it's really, really great. The last song on the album, Wine Into Water, with Jimmy Fortune. That song has a special story. Could you tell us about that song? Well, I used to have a terrible drinking problem. And through the grace of God Almighty and my wife, Sheila, I was able to just lay it down. It wasn't really a big problem when I finally was able to. I'd get on the horse and ride for a while and then fall off and then get on the horse and ride for a while and fall off and on and off and on and off. But finally, I just, you know, man, I just looked in the mirror one day and I said, I'm tired of this. This is just gone on long enough. And I was able just to quit. And I mean, AA is a great organization, but I never went to any AA meetings or any of that. It was just like, hey, I just decided it was time to quit. And then along the way, Bruce Birch and Ted Hewitt were friends of mine. And uh, this song was basically written about me. And I was talking to Ted Hewitt a couple of months ago, and I asked him, you know, we were talking about wine in the water, and he said, you know, I don't even remember writing that song. It was like it just appeared on the paper. And that's about the way I remember it, too. It was just one of those songs, you know, it just came out of nowhere. And I don't remember, Bruce told me one time that he thought up the title when he was cutting grass one day at his house. I don't really remember. That's as good of a, I, I'll take that. <laughs> I don't remember, but... I'm sure that Bruce comes up with some great ideas, and and if he was cutting grass and came up with it, well, that's good enough for me. Is there a track on Forever Changed that 
is especially meaningful? Well, Wine in the Water is the whole reason we made this album. We wanted to get the message of Wine in the Water back out there. We put that song out in 1998, and it never was a hit. I mean, it was a hit in a few places, but it just barely made a dent on the charts. And we just wanted to get the message of wine in the water back out there. That was really the impetus behind the whole record. That's the reason we cut this album. And, and of course, to help international cooperating ministries. And we didn't know it was going to turn into this big thing, but I'm so happy it did. I just wish that Bruce and Ted could be with me at shows to hear all the Things people tell me about how much that song's helped them. We did a version of that song on the stage of the Ryman Auditorium in 1998, and somebody put it on put it on YouTube. and And I know people get 30, 40 million hits on on some of their songs, but Wine in the Water's been hit over a million times. And you can read some of the comments. It's just amazing. I mean, I've had people tell me they were going to kill themselves and heard the song and change their mind and, or that it's helped them quit drinking or that it's helped them. Any number of problems, it doesn't necessarily have to be about drinking. I've had people tell me it's helped them in all different kinds of ways. That's a special song on that record. I mean, that's why we made it, and it's still working. It's still doing its thing. I'm just a custodian of it, really. What does it feel like when somebody comes up to you and tells you something like that, when they tell you that something that you're saying that changed their life? First of all, it's God doing it. It's not me. And like I said, I think that song was just sent from somewhere else. It feels great. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? It feels great. I'm just glad, like I said, I'm just glad to be the conduit. I'm very happy that it's helping people. And Ted and Bruce are too. Do you think we all have a weakness of some kind? Sure we do. We all have a gift too. We got weaknesses and we got gifts. Everybody, you know, I'll tell people that my gift is singing and writing songs and they'll say, I wish I had a gift, but everybody has a gift, even if it's just a smile. Everybody has problems. We're all alive. We're all alive, the world over. Bruce Birch has written a lot of songs. How did you meet Mr. Birch? We first met at the University of Georgia in Athens, and then we reconnected oh, 20 years later when I moved to Nashville. And Bruce is just a just a great guy. He's always worked really hard, and um, he had a hot dog place. And he he had a little hot dog shop, and I don't know how I hooked up with him when we got to Nashville, but I remember he was working at the hot dog shop that he owned and was writing songs at night and all the time. Bruce is one of the hardest working people I've ever known in my life, and he just makes things happen, you know. He doesn't take no for an answer. He's really a great writer, and a, he's a great human being, and I'm just glad that I've had the opportunity to work with him. We've written a few songs that, that have gone on to do pretty well and Bruce is just one of those guys, man. He's just uh, he's just one of those guys, you know. You hear people say what a good guy so and so is, but Bruce really is. When someone listens to your music, what do you hope they get out of the experience? Wow, I don't know. It's it's according to what kind of music it is. If this is gospel album I hope they feel i guess i hope it just makes them feel better it makes them feel hopeful 
you know, my other records that I've made, they're just like regular country records, I guess. And I guess people just have fun listening to them. But the Forever Change record, I hope it, you know, helping people find something that they're looking for. What's the greatest compliment you've received as a singer or as a recording artist? That I don't sound like anybody else. That's the biggest compliment I get is I don't sound like anybody else. It seems like there's so many people that sound like they all sound the same. Not not all of them, but there's a lot of acts that if you play the records and didn't, if I didn't know who it was, I might think it's the same person singing them, but just being unique, I think, makes me feel good. What is the best thing about being T. Graham Brown? Wow. I don't know. Just being able to do what I like to do. I got a, a great, just a wonderful wife that I would be dead if it weren't for her. And, and that's no exaggeration. I, I would have wound up like my brother Keith Whitley. And I would have just been face down in a ditch a long time ago if it weren't for her. I got a great son, Hackney Geronimo Brown. He's a good guy and great musician and he's having a good life. And I'm just glad I'm still working, man. I'm glad I had enough records that I can still go out and work. I don't know what I'd do if I couldn't sing. For anyone who's listening in, wherever they are, what would you say to anyone out there? Just God loves them and fight the good fight and don't give up. And it's all going to be okay. Don't get too freaked out about anything. It's all going to be all right. My last question. Who is T. Grant Brown? Wow. Man, that's a hard one. That's a hard one, Paul. I don't know. There's no easy answer to that one. I'm a, I'm a mixed up jumble of who knows what. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I have fun, man. I, I like cutting grass, you know. That's one of my favorite things to do. It's just funny. I I find joy in the goofiest things. Yeah. Oh, that's good. There was a musician I interviewed one time, and he said his goal was to find joy in everyday living. I think that's everybody's goal. You know, you just kind of have to, sometimes you have to quit pushing so hard to find something like that. And if you just kind of relax a little bit, it just happens. Well, Mr. Brown, thank you very much for sharing with us. Well, you're welcome, Paul. I appreciate you talking to me, man. I hope to hear you sing in person someday soon. Well, I hope so. Be sure, and if you if if you ever come, just go around back and find the bus, and we'll we'll have a fun time. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks a lot. All right, buddy. God bless. God right. bless. Bye bye. The boop bop deep bop doodly keep bop doodly shop bop ding a dock. Goodbye.